Welcome to Season 4 of Perpetual, where you'll get the hottest takes and insights on what's happening in the constantly shifting world of media and marketing. I'm Adam Ryan. Let's go. All right, I'm here with a five-minute Perpetual podcast reaction, and this one is a fun one. A little juicy. I'm not one to stir the pot normally. I don't mind saying what I think, but I normally am not much of a, a beef person. But last night uh, when I was scrolling Twitter as per usual, I saw a post from the founder and CEO of Sparkloop, uh, which is a referral tool originally. And now uh, they were purchased by ConvertKit, which is an email service provider similar to Beehive or Substack. And it supports creators. And Sparkloop has a product similar to what Beehive has as well, where they allow people who sign up for one newsletter to be promoted you know, up to five others to sign up for. And I've wrote about when Substack did this, I called it a Ponzi scheme of newsletter subscribers. I think that's like still fair-ish. And the relative reasoning is I think there is uh, a less net new subscribers joining an ecosystem than joining newsletters, which then ultimately there's saturation. And you know, when I called this out, Tyler from Beehive reached out and talked to him. Nathan from ConvertKit also reached out. And I, I think, you know, uh, by and large, these platforms want success for creators. Uh, that is what I heard from both of them. They want to help creators be more successful in their business. And is this method a way to do that? Uh, they're making the case, I guess, that it is. But in general, the actual thread that Lewis had that I responded to was calling out Beehive for not allowing their this tool to work outside of their network. Beehive, if you join and want to join another newsletter, you have to join a newsletter that's only in the Beehive network. With Sparkloop, you can join a wide range of ESPs. So someone could be in ConvertKit or sail through or whatever, and you could you could be promoted that. And Tyler responded and said, uh, essentially, uh, it was pretty pretty wild uh, statement. He responded to them and said, you know, you didn't you just sell your failed company in a fire sale? If you're going to keep talking shit, at least tag us. Uh, and then it went off. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think this beef behind ConvertKit and Beehive uh, is real. I think they're taking very different philosophies of how to build a business. To Nathan's credit, ConvertKit is like, was the very first company I saw that had creator messaging on a newsletter forward basis. Uh, I remember in 2020, they advertised with The Hustle, uh, which we needed it at the time. Uh, they nailed that trend. And I, I appreciate the the value that they've created there uh, relatively uh, over time for the creator ecosystem. I think Beehive today is creating a tool that's really built around business building versus an email service provider. Uh, and had Tyler, through his experience at Morning Brew, is bringing a lot of those lessons learned through dashboards, data, uh, monetization, et cetera, to help help those customers. And I typically do recommend Beehive across the board if, if you're going to be a creator kind of starting from scratch. However, what both these companies are kind of missing, right, is like, yeah, they're competing. For whatever reason, the Sparkloop team loves to kind of like throw shade at Beehive. And it's just interesting when you think about strategy of a brand. Beehive, if I cannot scroll on Twitter without seeing somebody talk about how great it is, they've embraced having a beautiful brand, having product launches be consistent, custom videos. They've created experiences that allow their customers to share how wonderful the tool is. And that's incredibly hard to do. 
That is how they make their noise by hitting publish on new features and products, essentially on a weekly basis that meet the needs of creators. Sparkloop, which in a way is essentially representing ConvertKit, though I don't think Lewis and Nathan should be seen the same. Sparkloop is kind of taking this like bully approach. Um, they always are trying to create like this enemy strategy. And that does work, right? Tesla, enemy strategy, absolutely crushed. It doesn't work in media as well, because ultimately it's about what people prefer, preferences, et cetera. And naturally creating enemies on a product feature basis is really short-sighted. What if Beehive tomorrow opens it up to everyone else? Is your product better or worse than theirs still? And in general, I don't think it's really telling the full story. I don't think Lewis was probably right in that response. I think he's not been right for a while about the kind of these, these bully tactics of like undermining, uh, trying to undermine Beehive's product launches and features by what they're doing. And I think it proves that first mover is really hard to win. ConvertKit was the first mover. They had, they solved a great problem of having like a simple ESP that allowed people to do well. Substack came after that. I've said, hey, we can do subscriptions. ConvertKit then launched subscriptions, kind of caught up. Beehive came in and said, here's this whole suite to run your business and we're launching very fast. ConvertKit's trying to keep up now with the acquisition of Sparkloop and others, but it's incredibly difficult as a as the first mover on space to maintain innovation and to do it. And I don't think you do, I don't think you win by by responding the way that you did. With that being said, I think all the platforms need to get called out. What's happening is essentially people are doing co-reg, which is a strategy that's been used forever. We used it at the hustle in 2016. It's essentially instead of actually logging in or actually creating, putting your email address, you just check a box and now you're on the list. I can promise you, I don't give shit about anything else, the engagement, retention, and LTV of that audience it is crap compared to every other channel. And if, if, if anybody of those platforms has hard data, which they don't have because they don't have revenue numbers of the brands that sell direct events, et cetera. So every data piece they put out, it's just not going to be a full picture. I can tell you as an operator, it's true. It's a bad channel on a long-term sustainable basis. And the reason why these platforms, you know, Nathan and Tyler and all subs, you know, Substack, uh, actually not in this case, but uh, they were kind of trying to do the same. And I think they realized it wasn't a good idea is they make their money on cents or subs. One of the two. Either way, the more people they get to a list, the more things go up into the right, the more money those platforms are making. And the comparison is this. Hear me out. Clickbait era was driven by companies like BuzzFeed right? It was driven by companies that realized like, hey, let's make this clickbait headline. Let's kind of like tell this like polarizing story because we get more page views. The incentive there was driven from programmatic Google advertising. That was what drove it. Incentives lead to behaviors. And Google won big, of course, during that time period. Google was the long-term winner, right? BuzzFeed and everyone else built this house of cards that crumbled down. But at the time, they couldn't get out of their own head like, hey, it's kind of this harmless foul to have a clickbait headline. It's okay. It's not going to like cause any issues. But guess what? We improved our CTR by like 30%. Cool. In three years, guess what that does? No one comes back. Retention's crap. Revenue per user's crap. It's not profitable. Boom. Bad business. Who won? Google. Unimpacted long-term high margin, high profit product that allowed that to happen. 
That's what's happening right now. We are in the clickbait era is harmless of newsletters and the platforms that charge on subs are the ones winning. My challenge to anybody that is publicly saying we're trying to build things that are best for creators, are those co-reg opportunities really long-term best? As Lewis said in his tweet to me, he said, don't we just all want more people reading good newsletters? Uh, That's like a fancy way to say we just want more people on a list. And my question to that is like, are the people that are operating these newsletters, these creators that are the you know $99 a month, $49 a month, do they really know? Do they understand? Or in three years, are they going to realize that like, hey, all these people churned. No one actually bought any of my products because they got added to seven other lists and opens don't really matter. And all of a sudden, I don't really have much. I can't make money. Except, by the way, the only way I can make money is through programmatic advertising through the platforms, which then the platforms make money because like it doesn't matter. But the CPMs are $10, $20 instead of 100 or 150 And this is a behavior incentive that is it good for creator media businesses in some of these aspects? I'd make a case that it's not at least not at the scale that they've been pushed with constraints in place, potentially with real insights of overlap. Sure. But like, you cannot tell me just because like someone signs up for a founder newsletter, they want another founder type newsletter or a product newsletter. It's just not the case. And having that person opt in with a one line subscription doesn't create a high quality subscriber. And I thought we were getting out of this game of quantity over quality. Uh, and you know, we learned that lesson morning brew lean into that quality, right? Like they said, Hey, let's like actually focus on engagement. Let's focus on these things. All of a sudden we're going back to this quantity game. It's been arbitraged. We're in this cycle. I don't know if we're in a newsletter bubble, but I can promise you the platforms that are beefing with each other right now are potentially not helping the long-term success of all these businesses. The ones that do are taking a holistic strategy. They're providing the dashboards, providing the data. They're showing the retention. They're making people aware of the decisions that they're making in a very transparent way. I think Beehive's striving for that and seeing that. I'm not seeing that really across the board for anybody else. So for all those that are beefing uh, today, I appreciate the, the entertainment last night, but I check yourself a little bit of like, hey, like do we one is a great brand strategy having a bully template. I don't think so, Lewis. You guys are not doing it the right way. And for everyone watching, be aware of co-reg. Don't fall trapped to the up and to the right graphs. Look at the incentives and behaviors and what's driving that. And then look at what's good for the business. What are the people that actually have built 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, $70 million brands do? They don't do this. Axios used to do it. They stopped. Why? Morning Beer used to do it. They stopped. Why? We don't do it anymore. Why? Because it doesn't work to build a great business. If you want a quick cash grab, if you want to do arbitrage, that's not who I'm talking about. All right. That's my reaction. Uh, Let me know what you think and uh, see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you want deep insight and hot takes on the world of media, make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And if you enjoyed this episode, share with a friend. I'll see you next time.